what in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 104.9 AM 1260 and HornFM.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Tuesday on B and E, lot to do, man. A lot going on. If you are a fan of the idea of nine SEC football games, when the Longhorns and the Sooners join the SEC next year, might not like the report that's come out from Sports Illustrated at the uh, SEC meetings that are on that are underway in Destin, Florida. We'll get you that coming up. Also, Longhorns know their first round opponent in the four-team regional at Coral Gables. We're going to get a full preview from someone who's seen quite a bit of them of late. Our man Ty Harrington will join us coming up in our coach's corner. Also, Buck, it is uh, true. The hero of last night's Game 7 and really the one of the heroes for the Miami Heat in their run to the NBA Finals, Caleb Martin, who had 26 points and 10 rebounds last night. The Longhorns did face Caleb Martin when he was a member of the Nevada Wolfpack back in the 2017-2018 season. It was a first-round NCAA tournament game. Nevada won that game 87-83. Mm. Come on, Shaka. Yeah, yeah, first round exit. That was one of what was Shaka's one win then? Uh well, it was uh, in the last year. I'll look right? at it here in a second, but I will tell you that Caleb Martin in that game played 43 minutes and scored 18 points. His brother Cody scored 15 points, and that was a team coached by Eric Musselman. Yes. Eric Musselman, yes. the current head coach at at Arkansas. Uh yeah, that was a first round exit. For the Longhorns, and yeah, Caleb Martin now doing it on the biggest of stages in the NBA, and um, really the key. Did Shaka Smart ever win a tournament game? I'm he trying did. to think about. I don't it. think he did. Yeah, I think he did. Chris Beard, when Chris Beard took over won, and won, won a tournament yeah. game in his first year, that broke a long skid of uh, first round tournament losses. And then, of course, this year's team played all the way to the Elite Eight with uh, the Chris Beard situation turning into Rodney Terry being the head coach. But yeah, that's. Uh, I thought when we were watching Caleb Martin explode on the scene. Think about that. Caleb Martin, undrafted player out of Nevada, working within that Miami system. I mean, in the biggest of moments, outplayed Jason Tatum, or Jalen Brown, who's a, who's a second-team All-NBA player. Uh, third pick of the draft when he came out by the Boston Celtics. You just never know in sports, man. This guy had his opportunity, seized it. I would also say that Jimmy Butler did an unbelievable job harassing Jalen Brown last night. And forcing those oh, eight he was turnovers, slapping the ball away from him. Yeah, eight turnovers, high number for the Boston Celtics for Jalen Brown last night, and missed a lot of shots too. Uh, that team did. Hey, let's get to the headlines. It is a busy, busy news morning. There's a lot going on in a lot of places. Let's get to the uh, top story so you're fully caught up as you get up and out on a Tuesday. UBO Business Services brings it to you. Eight seated Miami Heat accomplished a couple of missions last night. They punched their ticket to the NBA Finals for the seventh time in franchise history, but they also avoided being on the very wrong side of uh, sports history. Uh, they were on, in, in, in jeopardy of becoming the first NBA team to lose a 3-0 lead and end up losing the series. Um, but they're not that. They won the game, 103-84. NBA Finals will start Thursday night in Denver. NHL Stanley Cup Finals also set last night. Vegas Golden Knights will meet the Florida Panthers. What says NHL hockey like Vegas and Florida? But they will skate for the championship coming up. Uh, that's after the uh, Golden Knights rolled past Dallas 6-0 last night in Game 6 to close that series out. 
College baseball road to Omaha revealed yesterday the NCAA selection committee announced the full field of 64, including sites. Longhorns are on the road to start their tournament run. They'll be in Coral Gables, the regional there, hosted by the Miami Hurricanes. Longhorns are the two seed. They will face Louisiana, the three seed, Friday afternoon, 1 o'clock. We'll preview that coming up with uh, Coach Ty Harrington. Texas, one of six Big 12 squads that made the field. 11th-ranked Oklahoma State, the only selected to host a regional. They're going to host Dallas Baptist, uh, Washington, and Oral Roberts in Stillwater this weekend. The Big 12 tournament champion, TCU Horn Frogs, were sent to Arkansas. They're going to go to the Fayetteville Regional there. Texas Tech is headed to Florida. The Gainesville Regional is the three seed. Oklahoma is Charlottesville bound, the Virginia Regional. And West Virginia is going to head to Lexington for the Kentucky Regional, all starting this weekend. Outside of the Big 12, Texas A&M are headed to the West Coast. They're going to be part of the Stanford Regional in Palo Alto. They'll be the number two seed there. Cal State Fullerton will be their opponent on Friday. Day baseball yesterday on Memorial Day. How about the Rangers? Another win. First place Rangers. Nathan Eovaldi won his sixth straight decision. Corey Seager hit a three-run homer, drove in four. Texas blanked Detroit five nothing. Astros lost to the Twins in ten innings down at Minute Maid Park to open a series there on Memorial Day. Jose Altuve seventh inning grand slam. Put Houston in front 5-4, to four, but the closer, Ryan Presley, couldn't close it. Gave up a run in the ninth, and then Minnesota catcher Ryan Jeffers hit a two-run homer in the tenth. And big developments from Texas football over the long weekend. Multiple reports with the Longhorns players returning to campus for summer workouts. Steve Sarkeesian is planning to hire former Wisconsin head football coach Paul Christ to be a special assistant and offensive analyst. Similar role that Gary Patterson served last year, but that's not all. According to reports, Sark is also going to hire Joe D. Camillus, a longtime 30-year special teams coordinator in the NFL and former Portland State defensive coordinator Payam Sadat for similar roles on special teams and defense. This segment brought to you by UBO Business Services. Great people, great service, endless possibilities. That's UBO Business Services. Visit them at ubeo.com. Yes, a lot there. A lot of top stories. Busy, busy start to your short work week now with uh, that. We've got the DeAndre Hopkins story. We mentioned Dalvin Cook could be released here coming up. Minnesota Vikings are trying to figure something out with him. And um, Oh, they want to make a big trade with the Cowboys. We'll take Zeke from Minnesota. Well, that was the report that if they no, do we release don't. Dalvin we, no, Cook, that, no, we'll uh, pass. that the Minnesota Vikings could be a landing spot because they're going to they're gonna put what in, uh, Alexander Madison to be the number one running back there because he's been – no, Dalvin Cook is oft injured too. He he tweaks them, this yeah. and tweaks that. And Madison has been a really good, you know, guy in, in reserve whenever they don't really miss a beat in their run game when Madison comes in. And so the idea would be Dalvin Cook would be out. Zeke Elliott would come in to be the second back behind Madison. Yeah, I, I would hope he would stay in Dallas and become an assistant coach. Like <laughs> Kellen Moore, yeah. Kellen Moore go from backup yeah, to you, you could keep him assistant here. coach. He's not going to do anything for the Minnesota Vikings that's going to change anything. Who Zeke? Yeah. I could. We'd rather have Dalvin Cook. Let's be honest about that. You add a, a middle of his twenties running back. I'd rather have some Cowboys fourth round be... draft pick as a running back. Come on, Zeke's uh-huh. healthy now. Oh, he was dealing with a knee injury last year. Oh, is that what kept him back? Well, I, I, I would love to see Dalvin Cook along with Tony Pollard as your. I mean, if you're going to be a running is, team, man, and then you, you know, because you, you, know, you can't. I know oh, that's I know two we, explosive players. I know we time. like Deuce Vaughn, but you can't really expect a rookie to walk in and no. carry a big load. If he does, that'd be great. But expect you know Malik Davis is there. He's a second year guy now. But you know, Dalvin Cook, he and Tony Pollard would be pretty explosive in their backfield uh, for sure. So we'll talk about all those developing stories. The Paul Christ hire for the Longhorns, Joe D. Camillus. What a flex for Steve Sarkeesian, adding not one, not two, but three uh, special assistants to the head coach analyst roles in all three phases. Offense, defense, and special teams. Yeah, I don't know much Tunnels. about the guy that was at Portland State. I don't either, and that's one we'll have to dig in on. But that that obviously, you know, 
he's a West Coast guy mostly if you see his resume, which would line up with mm-hmm. Coach Pete Kwiatkowski. And, um, and Sark, actually. And Sark and, you know, the Jeff Choate, the linebackers coach. I mean, they've all spent expense, extensive time mm-hmm. out there on the West Coast and the great Northwest. That's where uh, the defensive analyst spent most of his time. So we'll get into all that coming up. Uh, also, Ty, I've, I've said that uh, today's important in Major League Baseball for you because today you realize the Texas Rangers, your first place Texas Rangers, we are 54 games into the season over the weekend, 54 in. Um, with when you get to 54, that's one third of the season. You know, 54 three times is 162. So the Longhorns are, are the uh, long, the Rangers uh, have, have gone past the 54 uh, game total number and are playing 640 baseball. 640 baseball, 34 and 19 now for your Rangers. Astros 31 22 three back. So Rangers are for real. I think that's fair getting to say. closer to the All Star game, All Star yeah. break, where your uh, your month your, away. Big, your big money pitcher can come back after that. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, what, what, maybe. Well, what the what that record does with thirty four wins? Gosh, only Tampa Bay has more wins than they have in the American League, uh, and they went into Baltimore, another thirty four win team, and took two out of three, um, and did the, won the first two pretty easily. Rangers have speaking of flex. I mean, I guess the point is, I judge things on kind of that that one third, one third, one third. Where are you after fifty four? And they are absolutely in the conversation in the AL the, as, a, as a real contender. It's not well, a fast start now. I mean, you're 54 games in, one-third of the way through oh, your regular season. Consistent. Nathan Eovaldi's an ace and all his way to the All-Star game. And to your point about Jacob deGrom, you know, you can be patient with him because you're getting great pitching from other guys, uh, and your hitting is you got the best lineup in baseball. Nobody has scored more runs, 334 runs. Only the Rays are right there with you. But they're the best two offenses in baseball, and the pitching Rangers still need to add a, an arm in their bullpen at some point. They'll have to be buyers towards the deadline and try to oh, shore up sure. their bullpen. Yes, I would say. But they will get Jacob Degrom back, which will put Dane Dunning back into their bullpen, which will help them a lot in that realm. So I mean, you know, fifty-four. And I'll say this for the Astros, for the Astro fans out there, at thirty-one and twenty-two. Yesterday was kind of a gut punch because Ryan Presley is usually really reliable. He couldn't close out a win, uh, or you'd be ten over five hundred at this point too. But you know, the Astros have the number one team ERA in all of baseball. Astros team ERA is 3.20. It's the best pitching staff in the game. Uh, and it's by, I mean, they're by half a point, the best ERA in baseball. So if they can get the offense cranked back up and getting Jose Altuve back has been huge. Hit a grand slam yesterday. Bregman's starting to hit a little bit. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be all right offensively, I think. And if they continue to pitch like that, uh, they'll be right there in the American League all the way through as well. So Rangers, Astros at the uh, one-third mark. Certainly contenders for big picture conversations. Hey, is that big home run hitter in New York for the Yankees? Is he hitting the ball now? Judge, Has he seen it? Uh, Judge is pretty good. Judge is a pretty good player, yes. But they're in third place in that division by Tampa and Baltimore. We're moving up. Moving on up. Can we dive in to our coach's corner on a busy Tuesday here on Beanie? Audiovisual consultations and Tom McKay. The really smart guys who never make you feel stupid. Never ever one time. Uh, sorry, Tom McKay and the crew there coming back from the Stars game last night. Six nothing. That got over quickly. That was out of control. I think he had Carolina to win it all anyway. And they, well, they're, they're gone, too. Yeah, Florida. As I said in the update, nothing says hockey like Vegas and Florida. But <laughs> Vegas and Florida for the championship. Now it's become a more southern sport. We know that. Um, you know. Let's go to the Vaqueros hotline, though. Talk some baseball. It's a field is set. Field of 64. And a man who has seen a lot of these teams and uh, knows a lot about college baseball joins us. He is Ty Harrington. Of course, 20 years a skipper down there at Texas State. And... Uh, uh, also a, a lifetime Longhorn and trips to Omaha, but also just called the Sunbelt Conference Tournament and did a ton of games, including the Longhorn opponent on Friday, Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. What's up, T.Y.? 
Gentlemen, how are you on this back at it Tuesday? Surprised you have a voice left, man. Well, it, it, uh, there isn't much of it left, but uh, there's enough. And we did. We had a crazy, crazy, fun, busy week of baseball in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. I think we did 17 games in six days. Um, and at one time, I think we were on air for 16 hours <laughs> in one man. day. And uh, which, which is a lot. It's a lot for me not to say something bad. Yeah, hey, you, good job. You didn't get canceled, Coach. You, you didn't get canceled. You're still here. Yeah, you didn't cancel yourself. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I do. And I, I didn't have to go to training afterwards yet. And so we, <laughs> um, but we had a blast. We did. And it was an incredible tournament. And, uh, and so we got to see a lot of baseball, call a lot of games, and did. We, we called, uh, you know, the Raging Cajuns or University of Louisiana, um, you know, all of their games. It was five total. But, Really and truly, you know, and they were the ones that also they beat Texas State, and um, I think twice, and they just they got really really hot. They they went. This is one of the more remarkable turn into NCAA play um, that I've seen in quite some time. They came in as a team in the '60s, '70s, seemed like in the RPI wise, and and everybody felt like, including yours truly, after looking at the numbers that, you know, they were going to have to win the tournament to get into the tournament, um, coming in with the RPI being where it was. And then they just gobbled up so many RPI points, you know, with defeats on Texas State. And then the day that they beat Coastal Carolina, and let me tell you, Gary Gilmore's team at Coastal Carolina, who won the regular season championship in the Sun Belt, is a really, really good baseball team. And they had to beat Coastal twice. And they did. Uh, Coastal had beat them once, you know, during the double elimination part of the tournament. And then they had to come around on one day. And it it was just truly an, an, a bizarre, you know, deal. they had a kid throw um, Blake Marshall for uh, the Raging Cajuns through nine innings total on one day. Whoa. He threw four innings in one game, got to save, or I think three innings in one game. Next game, I think, threw five and got the win six hours later against the exact same team and did not surrender a run. And so the reason probably that, no, there's no doubt the reason why, um, even amongst all the, you know, the whole uh, year they had, but the biggest reason why they're here is because that young man's gritty performance. You just don't see that. I mean, 140 something pitches total on the, on the weekend. I mean, on the week. And cause he also thrown against uh, Texas state. And it's just one of those, moments where you know greatness is demanded and some people things like this you know happen in sports and uh, and it certainly happened for them and and i you know hats off to him and uh to make marshall for the performance that he uh put forth and that's the reason why they're they where they are now what you are going to see you know matt deggs who is the head coach there matt used to be the head coach at sam houston was a long-time assistant at a&m for rob childers and um i mean he is a really really baseball, offensive-minded, defensive-minded guy. Incredibly detailed coach. They are the, probably going to be the most aggressive offense that Texas has played this year. I mean, when you look, when you just on the surface of the numbers, like, you know, getting too deep in there today, they are 161 stolen bases. Wow. 208, 218 attempts. So that starts to tell you that, you know, what type of offense they'd love to run. They put so much pressure on you 
running the bases, drag bunts, push bunts, and make they just execute, you know, so many different pieces of a small game. I think they only have like 66 home runs on the year. But when you look at those stolen bases, but what they and and how they get there. But I will tell you this: when they almost they're at like six seventy percent with runners on third base with less than two outs. So that's almost seven hundred percent of the time they're getting those runners in from third base. And it doesn't matter where they are in the order, with the exception of maybe Carson Rockefort, who we'll talk about in a minute. They'll safety squeeze, squeeze. They'll bunt, drag bunt with two outs, two strikes. Um, I mean, if they just they make you defend the corners of the baseball. I mean, the first baseman, third baseman, and then pitchers, they make those guys defend the baseball so much. And then lastly, which Texas will be prepared for this, because it's something you have to do way back in the fall um, and in, throughout the season. They make you defend the run game so much that if you're not prepared for it a long time ago and you just now starting to prepare for it, they're going to get you sometimes because they don't allow you your pitchers, if you're trying to slide step and you're trying, meaning if you're trying to hurry to the plate, get to the plate and hurry. And if you're not, you know, verse at it, you're not good at it, haven't done it often, that's when it gets you because that's when you start to elevate and not get to the top of your breakers and the off speed and, uh, or you don't throw strikes. And then that's when they really start to get to you um, when you allow them to start to run their offense. They do have a prolific hitter, Carson Rockefort is a really, really good hitter. Center fielder is a tremendous baseball player, going to be a pretty good draft pick. And then they just, you know, Kyle DeBarge, the shortstop, you'll hear his name and he could. But Kyle DeBarge at shortstop is a really, really tremendous shortstop, tremendous defender of the baseball. And and you go back, you guys remember last year how good Texas, you know, what defense was. Well, I mean, the Raging Cajuns are right at 982 as a, defending it as a team. That is really high fielding percentage. And so they're, they're, it's an exciting team to watch. They're very aggressive, uh, and they do a lot of different things. Hot at the right time, huh, Coach? They are, but but Bucky, I'm gonna be honest with you. They're they're hot. They just they gritted it out. I mean, in all honesty, I mean they they had to be again. They had to beat Coastal Carolina twice, and Coastal's hosting yep. a region. And Gary Gilmore's team, they don't they don't just go hey here. They were still trying to win. Now they've had some front. They've had some pitching injuries. Coastal has, and um, they were having to hold some guys back. But in the same breath, man, they they just gritted it out. I mean, it was just you know you ask a guy to have a heroic type performance where you got to throw twice in one day nowadays in modern days you don't hear about that all the time um, that's not to say Greg Swindell couldn't do it but I'm just saying you know nowadays you just don't see that kind of performance all the time and they just toughed it out so hot yes Bucky to answer your question yes right at the right time yes um, but tough just really tough players now the interesting thing I, I got to say this is it, I do think it, it could play into this this week they they had both of their starting pitchers, Nazu and they again and Pluno. I mean Pluno, they both had to start twice, so their 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 pitching is going to be a little bit exhausted. I, I just you know I think that for them to repeat because they were both starters through I think on two days rest, yeah, because uh, they didn't have a choice. So that that could come into play this week with you know just how good their arms are because it's a sub five ERA. I mean, it's like a four nine ERA. I mean, four seven nine ERA. So it's a good qualified nowadays college baseball. But this year, it's a pretty decent ERA. 
And uh, But I do, I think they're going to be a little bit, they could be a little bit tired. Yeah, and Texas, of course, shouldn't be tired because they played two games and lost and came home from the Big 12 tournament. And uh, that prevents them from hosting in uh, Dishfalk Field this weekend. Instead, they're headed to Coral Gables, and that's where they'll face Louisiana on Friday. Also, Miami, a 40-win team, will be the host there. And then Maine is the fourth team there. The eight uh, host regionals around the country, four are from SEC, uh, LSU, of course, South Carolina, Arkansas, and Florida. Uh, Florida is where Texas Tech is headed. Uh, and then the other four, Miami, at Co- where we just talked about, Coastal Carolina, Clemson, and Virginia will also host regionals. And it's a wide-open field coach, to say the least. But uh, give us a quick thought on the Longhorns, and maybe we'll talk later in the week as well to preview more around the country. But in our time left, the Longhorns look so good against West Virginia, dominating the Mountaineers, but then two and out at the Big 12 tournament. They've got injuries in the bullpen with David Shaw and Heston Toll. Also, D.J. Burke has decided he's going to enter the transfer portal right here with the season still going. Uh, so challenges for David Pierce's team. The one thing they should – you could say they should be hungry on Friday and they should be fresh. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things to that, though. I, I, and, you know, they played so good against West Virginia, and they really did. One thing about this bunch that they done, and, and you know, there was a time early in the year, remember, they everybody, they didn't play as good as what they wanted to play. They bounced back and played great, right? They went out to Fullerton, which actually I thought they played really competitive in, in California at Fullerton. And they lost two out of three. But when they got back, they went on a long, you know, streak, win streak. And then, so just, you know, and then all of a sudden the last weekend, everybody's like, well, they may not even have a chance to win the, you know, regular season championship or sharing it. And they did. So they do a great job of of coming back off of a, a, if you want to say a negative home or a trying time, whatever it is, they've done a really good job of bouncing back this year. They have. And, uh, and so, and obviously with Lucas Gordon, you know, when you go in there with a guy like him, I just think, you know, in that first game and, you know, second game, I'm assuming it'll be LBJ. And so, I mean, that's, that's two two really good pitching opportunities right there on the front end with those guys against, you know, two good teams. But in the same breath, those guys are really good. So they, they've been – I think UT's been good on their bounce back, you know, timing. when they, If something's going on, then, man, they just – they come really firing back competitively, and that's certainly what I think is going to happen or give them a chance – to happen this weekend in the regional, and uh, and I, I just I think it's a pretty good matchup for them too. Miami's a, pr- a really good offensive team. You'll see they got a lot of homers. You'll recognize if they get to that point of it, but they pitch just okay. I mean, they're right above a five, I think like a five-one something on the ERA. So they got a, a good chance to to get out. We've seen how hot Texas can get and how good they can play, and they always always seem to play great defense. Yeah, and Coach, but they've got to hit the ball now. It's now you're to the point where you got to score some runs, and that's not been a part of what's been going on. The pitching's been okay, hadn't been great, but it's been okay enough that they need to score some runs. How do you start looking at that at this time of the year? You know, what is it that you've done, and what is it that you haven't done that you need to get right back to to getting going? Whether it's to get base, you know, guys on the bases and start running a little bit more, even in this situation where you where you score runs or make people have to defend you a little bit. I mean, do you start looking back over some of the things? I know they can they can get hot, but they haven't been hot. They haven't been scoring enough runs, and the pitching has been just okay. And and sometimes you have to win by by scoring. Do you do you how do you how do you look at that at this time of the year? What is it that you what what switches that you have to try to change right now, or you got to try to turn on? I don't, I don't think. I mean, at this point, your your personality probably as an offense is 
is what you probably still define yourself with and go mm-hmm. with. I mean, to, to, to overhaul your offensive philosophy at this point would be a challenge. Now, that doesn't mean to say that you don't try to move runners early. You know, if you want to do something like that, move them 90 feet to mm-hmm. second or move them 90 feet, more, sometimes more importantly, in the scoring position at third base with less than two outs. Now, if you want to do something like that, that that's, you know, part of that's a coach's decision or to hit and run. You know, you still got to have the personnel to do it, and they have to be, you know, apt at doing that part of the game and, and being able to play it. And so, but really, I think this time of year, Bucky, you go back to the individuals. They've had some time work-wise, practice-wise, the last couple of days, I'm sure, to talk about a lot of different things. It's really you can go to work on your individuals and about maybe what they, you know, need to change in their approach to, to an at-bat or their approach to doing something or whatever it may be that they're not doing, you know, as good as what they were earlier. And so – That'll give them, you know, they've had a couple of days to kind of, you know, fine-tune some of those ideas, you know, as much as anything. But but this time of year, the two things that you have to be able to do, somebody or not have to be able to, seems to always come up. Home runs seem to come into play this year, which has been more home runs than have ever been hit before, are starting to, to either get people ahead in game, stretch the game ahead, or come back and win a game. And then the second thing is, on, on an offensive side of this, you have to get guys in from third base with less than two outs. You just have to in order to win those games because you to to count on, even though you know it's you have to have this type of a high percentage. What I'm about to say to count on two out RBIs is hard to do, right? And so those are the ones you can hit a line drive runners on second, third, and two outs right to the shortstop, right? right? Three feet the other way, it's a base hit, scores two. So that's the part of this game that gets really you know tough and frustrating. But usually, over the long haul, the team who does hit the best and, and their two out RBIs over the long haul of a season, that means there's a personality about your order. That means you got tremendous balance in your order from one to nine, is usually historically what that means. But man, to be able to, I'm telling you this, to be able to play defense in tense moments and regional play is a huge, huge part of not creating innings for your opponents will come into play almost every year in the NCAA. The defensive side of the game comes into play. Coach, appreciate it. Maybe we will chat again later in the week. I know you had a busy, busy weekend, and we appreciate it. Longhorns facing Louisiana Friday. They just We beat Coastal Carolina, a host school, twice, uh, really to play, to play their way into this tournament. Longhorns, as uh, we said, scored just three runs and two losses at the Big 12 tournament and have been home all week uh, getting ready for this on Friday. They know they're headed to Coral Gables. And uh, Longhorns season continues, not how they wanted it, but it will continue, and that's the best thing. Coach, thanks a lot. Appreciate it, and uh, great work over the weekend. Thanks, Ty. Gentlemen, great to hear your voice. All right, buddy. There's Ty Harrington, and obviously good good overview of what the Longhorns face. We'll have to get back with him and talk about Miami, because Miami is the host there. And as I said, you know, the, the 16 host sites, Buck, eight are SEC teams. Eight of half of the field hosting this weekend. Yeah, they had a good year. They had a great year. And they and the ACC really separated with Wake Forest at the top, and uh, Clemson is hosting. But, man, eight SEC schools hosting and um, ten total SEC teams in the tournament. Big 12 sent six, which is the same as they had last year. We'll be back. We'll pick it up on the other side. We'll pick up uh, the Longhorn football conversations. The SEC meetings are underway. Speaking of the SEC, if you're a fan of nine football games in conference play, uh, there's a report from Sports Illustrated that uh, you may not like. We'll get to that coming up next here on b Uncle Bucky's Tips for Kids, brought to you by Relax the Back, providing best-in-class in-home relax and sleep products to achieve a life well-lived. Visit Relax the Back Austin area stores today. It's Bucky and Aaron. So hot and-
Yeah, trying to answer all the questions. Uh, coming out of a big, busy weekend, long weekend. Which Longhorn team will show up in Coral Gables on Friday? Hard to tell right now. Longhorn's been up and down all year, up and down at the Big 12 tournament. Also, uh, where is DeAndre Hopkins going to land now that he's released by the Arizona Cardinals? Dalvin Cook could be available from the Minnesota Vikings. Part of offseason NFL conversations. And how many conference games will the SEC be playing when the Longhorns and Sooners join that conference next year? Eight or nine? That's being discussed right now as we speak in uh, beautiful Destin, Florida. So I'll get to that story coming up. But, Buck, do you have a tip for the kids in the car line? Because there is no car line now. School's there out. is no. There, there. Hey, get a job. <laughs> Go to work. Go to work. Earn some money. Earn some money. Heck, yeah. There's your tip. Get a job. It's that time. Get a job. Ty, did you work in the summertime when you were a kid? I did worked you? all year round. Did you? Yeah. I did, Good for too. you. From freshman year, I worked at County Line on the lake. Uh, worked at Tyler's, the clothing store here. Worked Austin Pizza. That was a good one, delivering pizzas. I wasn't a high school worker. I mean, I did I did odd jobs. I mean, when I lived in Pennsylvania, I was a show, a snow shoveler. I mean, you know, an event. Snow I'm, shoveler? And I'm glad I'm not in that part of the country because I'd be probably a dead man with a heart attack by now because I never had a snow blower in my neighborhood. But I'd be the guy going knocking from door-to-door about shoveling their, their sidewalk and getting it clean, you know, for about five bucks. I mean, and it, it was probably $30, $40 worth of work. But as a kid, you know, you did it real quick. You get a little sweat on, and you were done. But you go to door-to-door and get that, that five bucks, go through the neighborhood, and the old folks would say, hell, yeah, I do this sidewalk. I'm not getting out there and having that heart attack. And you, you can use the five bucks. I'm like, yes, I can. Well, earn some money if you can. Yeah, earn some cash. Now, my first paying job when I was 11 years old, I was selling Houston Chronicles in a parking lot at a parking ride in Northwest Houston. Oh, did you really? Yeah. And then that led to a paper route at my neighborhood. So I did that from when I was 16. Remember, I bought the mopeds so I could go further That's and right. do, more, do a bigger route. Oh, yeah. That I did was... my summertime work when I was in college. I was a lifeguard. Yeah, baby. I, I did that, too. Lifeguard. Lifeguarded. Of course, worked at – because then once I had the moped, I didn't have a car. When I turned 16, I would go work up at Cloth World. I worked at Cloth World with the old ladies. All oh, the Puerto Rican girls love the buck. Tables. They love the buck. It the was Puerto this... Rican fool. Hell yeah. I was a lifeguard, man. The Puerto Rican girls love the buck. Is oh, that right? they love the buck. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard that part of it. I heard when you drowned the kid. Uh, no, the kid drowned himself, and he didn't drown. Oh. I saved the kid. I saved a kid. He shouldn't have been down there in the deep end. Plus, I was off duty. You're probably flirting with the Puerto Rican girls. Hey, what you were doing? Ty, kid was down at the bottom Kids of the pool. Kids drowning. I got my brand new. I got brand new sneakers, brand new jeans, and at that time, that's costly. Trying to and look so, fly and impress the girls. And somebody said, "Oh, he's down at the bottom of the pool." I said, "Okay, just give me a second here." I took my <laughs> shoes off, took my you know, took my pants off, took my wallet out of there. I'm like, "Well, he's been down there. He's fine. Look, I mean, he, he hadn't been in there that long. Oh, had to dive in, and then I had to yell at his mom." You yelled at his mom after saving her kid's life? Well, yeah. What's that kid doing down here? He had to yell That's at his nine-year-old job. mom. That's your job, Mr. Fly Guy. <laughs> hey, I'm off. I'm off. I'm, I'm, oh. I'm on my way out. Where was the other lifeguard? Uh, standing up there. He knew it. Standing up on the, sitting up on the stand. I was right down there at pool level. So I, I guess I was expected to go in. I've always wondered why there's such low qualifications for such a hey, What are you talking job? about? Low qualifications. I take like some pretty intense. Uh, you won't say that when you go training. down in that I, room. My but, sister was a lifeguard, and she's not the sharpest tool in the shed. Listen, if you need CPR, I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, well, now it's. I think it's down. But I remember I had to take a test. We had to go out and save an adult that was like floating. I had to go get him. And sure, you were a strong enough swimmer. I believe. Oh, yeah. I believe. 
I believe we should on this show or this station with all of us have to do do a CPR deal where we bring our our uh, people that listen to the show in this parking lot this summer and learn how to do CPR. It's a good thing to know. Could we not do it in the parking lot. We do it inside. Guess. It's a little hot in the summertime. On it's a great idea. I think we should all we should all do that. <laughs> I think we should bring our folks well in, inside. I got some rooms downstairs. I've been certified multiple times. I don't know if my certification still survives. Multiple. You know, I times. don't even know if I can. I don't know if I can perform CPR like I, like I've been witness to. Watch a lady at Lake Travis. She passed away, but boy, they were they pumping on her for like forty minutes. Forty minutes saved his life on the field. Yeah, Nine minutes. Year. Cardiac arrest. All right, so uh, we'll Someone go. will have to do that for me. Good at the idea. Golf There's course eventually. Tip for the kids: get a job. Get a, get a job. job. That's right. Earn, get a, earn a job. Living. Earn some money. Don't just play video games all summer. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all right, so we'll get back to the Sark conversation. Three new analysts coming in for the Longhorns. The all-gas, no-excuses two are really stepping forward. Three really experienced analysts for the offense, the defense, and the special teams, especially. Uh, we'll get to that here coming up uh, after the top of the hour and dive into what it means. But uh, of immediate conversation is what's going on in the SEC. The SEC meetings are happening. Uh, in Destin, Florida. This is all the power brokers of the Southeastern Conference, including Commissioner Greg Sankey. And it appears like there is a, a, a stare-down brewing because, by all accounts, everything you've heard from, uh, from Greg Sankey over and over again is he is expecting this thing to move to nine conference games when Texas and Oklahoma join. Because uh, right now it's eight. right? You know, the SEC always famous for playing that 12th game, and it's against Nowhere State and you know, home game against mm-hmm. who the heck are these guys? Um, but so Greg Sankey has come there with ammunition. He has outlined, and he's the most powerful, arguably a powerful figure in college sports right now, uh, Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference. He came with nine a nine-point, you know, PowerPoint of nine, why nine is a better idea than eight. Uh, nine reasons why the nine-game schedule is important. And we'll run through some of those. It would take a minute. But the other side of the conversation is a report from Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated down there in Destin. This came out yesterday that it's unlikely that they would go to nine games for the 2024 season because they don't have the votes. Among the concerns in the SEC is that the contract with ESPN does not require the network to offer additional revenue to the conference. So why would we do it if ESPN is not going to pay us more to play another game? You get the same for eight? Yeah. Dellinger added that the current stance doesn't mean a nine-game SEC schedule won't come in the future, but the league is considering sticking with the eight-game model for just one year before revisiting the matter. So this is a leverage play by the conference, saying, hey, ESPN, we know you're making cuts all over the place, but if we're going to nine games, we'll vote for it, but we we estimate that a, a ninth game could add another $5 million to each team year uh, annually. So, you know, ante up. You know, that's 14 times five. Is ESPN willing to ante up the money. That will become the question. But Sankey and others, I think Texas uh, officials have voiced their opinion of nine is the way to go. But um, Greg Sankey is fully on board with nine. But obviously the presidents are going to talk money. Now they're also going to throw in you know, player safety and that kind of nonsense. Sure. It's about the cash. If they will pay the money, they'll do it. If their ESPN won't commit to it, they might just stick at eight. And it sounds like by what Ross Dellinger is reporting that right now ESPN is not willing to commit. So they're saying, well, you know, we'll play eight in 2024 and we'll see. We'll see when ESPN decides they want to ante up. And then we'll play that ninth conference game. Now the fans would love to see nine, right? They don't want to see that game against nobody state. 
Right. That twelfth game is that the twelfth game of yeah, the season? Yeah, SEC's twelfth game. Yeah. Well, because they play three non-conference, the ghost, the ghost then they games. play eight conference, so that's eleven, and they play that twelfth game, which is the ghost. You know, at whoever uh, really, because a lot of times it's been an FCS team that have played SEC teams, which is ridiculous. But hey, Jimbo and the boys struggle with that game every year. Yeah, Appalachian yes, State, right? Do. App State, Kent State, quit doing Sam that. Houston State. Sam Houston State was good. Man. Uh, this is guys Barton Springs lifeguard mid to late nineties best job I ever had. That's pretty good. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, I worked at our neighborhood pool when I was into uh, high school into college. It was good. I enjoyed that job quite a lot. God. Better than cloth world. But oh. the only thing that was good about cloth world, Buck, when I was working with the old ladies and cutting fabric and building tables, unloading the truck, uh, and you know unloading heavy boxes. That's really what I did there. Uh, was it was in it was air conditioned. It was indoors. So an indoor job in Houston was gold. Um, but and it was easy. I mean, I'd work four or five hours a day and air make some decent money, air conditioning. There you go. Sweet. And then I could still work. Because then I worked as a sacker at Randall's. I worked all over the place. From yeah, you were the years. king of the sackers, weren't you? Yeah. Well, I learned pretty quickly. It was in a, in a ritzy neighborhood area of northwest Houston. So you could, if you sacked the groceries really well, it was when you used to sack and then deliver the bags to the trunk. And, you know, they'd give you tips. I would get really good tips because I would organize their bags really nice and then organize it in their trunk and... That was being the pizza boy around here. I'd put on my Westlake football T-shirt when I went to go deliver what? pizzas. Look at you! <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me give you an extra ten ski. Yeah, nice tie. Good work by you. Yeah, but, I used yeah. to do the H-E-B baggers. I used to get them to bring the bags out to my car. Which yeah, was everybody did. Or my van. It was this kind. Con- oh god, <laughs> creep. I'm a trunk. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, put it in there. Get in. You get in first, and I'll I'll throw the bags in. Oh, especially when in Houston in the summertime when it's hot and you're like out in that parking lot unloading their car into their. Oh man! Stuff, they'll, they'll, they'll slide you a five dollar bill. Oh yeah, it's, I do that. I do that at Home Depot. Yeah, if gotta, I'm if I'm doing the, mulch or whatever, I give a kid a ten dollars. They look at me like, huh? But if you're picking up food from a restaurant, yes, we're not tipping. This says, did you say you were cutting an old ladies' carpet? No, <laughs> the old ladies who worked at Cloth World and sold sewing machines and stuff. They I cleaned and built stuff and unloaded heavy things and swept the floor. That's what I did. I did more work as a college student than I was as a high school student. There weren't a lot of job options for a 16-year-old without a car, uh, and that one was one I could ride my little motor scooter up to. Yeah, but you worked worked more as a college student than you did in high school, didn't you? No, I worked. I had a job from when I was 11 years old on, for sure. Really? Oh, yeah, then college. First year I did lifeguarding, and then the next three I worked in Wyoming with Nunley and the ranch and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, always working. That was paradise. Paradise, that's what it was called, Paradise Guest Ranch. There you go. Hey, we'll be back. When we do, it is T.Y. back from a busy weekend of his own. He missed out on a $2,000 five-leg parlay by .3 seconds. We'll let him explain that in Hot or Not coming next. What's hot? And what's not? What's hot, what's not is brought to you by Texas Orthopedics, the largest independent orthopedic practice in central Texas. Visit us at txortho.com to learn more and to schedule an appointment. Yeah, hot and not on uh, what's getting hotter out there. Actually, it was kind of pleasant yesterday with a lot of cloud cover on your Memorial Day. Hope you got to enjoy that, honor the fallen, and enjoy an extra day. Three-day weekend into now the unofficial start of summer. And we are there. By the way, Buck, you know what uh, is also coming up? We talk about conference meetings in the SEC. The Big 12 will have their meetings coming up, the Pac-12. You know, a couple of years ago, it was July when Texas and Oklahoma delivered the bombshell that they're headed to the SEC. We're out of here. Last summer, it was 
USC and UCLA that they're jumping. Uh, I'm going to tell you, don't be surprised if in July you hear the names Arizona and Colorado joining the Big 12. I think those are shoes that could drop in the next 30 days, 30 to 45 days. All the meetings are happening now. The Pac-12 still doesn't have a media rights deal, and it's looking more and more like that Colorado and, and Arizona would be the most likely to say, Get you know what, out of there, yeah. we're not waiting on it. Uh, we're jumping. And obviously Arizona basketball in the Big 12 would be huge uh, to join the likes of Kansas and Baylor and you know all that's going on in the Big 12 basketball, even with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Colorado would bring the Denver market and um, you know, in Deion Sanders. And them, you know, they haven't been the same since they left the Big 12 uh, way back as a football program and as an athletic department when they bolted for the Pac-12. So keep an eye on that. Those are, you know, there's not there's, there's a reason why the announcements are made in July and in the summertime for because sure. this is when all the meetings happen and the school the school's over, seasons are over, and uh, the top folks get together and talk about these things. And right? when, once again, for Memorial Day E, for those that have the memories of their the are fallen. And their their friends and their relatives and their dads and their uncles, I mean, I my father fought for two years in Korea. I never really really knew that until my sisters told me about it because he had maybe talked, spent some time talking. He never talked to me about Korea, but I watched a lot of stuff on Korea. There wasn't much to talk about. That, I I could see why he was a little loopy at times. That that was awful. Awful. What I mean, war is awful itself. But I I you know I walked a documentary on the Korean War yesterday. And it was just, my God, you're talking about cold and nasty and just not, not, I mean, just the survival itself, not just the fighting, but the survival was just ugly. Yeah. And I mean, war is ugly, but thank you so very much. I mean, the, the, the battles that our country has been through and, and how we have protected other countries, just amazing. And how our, our people have given their lives, not just for us, but for other countries, for others to have freedom. Well, war is hell for sure. Boy. And uh, yesterday we honored the the ones who lost their lives, and but we always appreciate those who fortunately made it back, but still deal with the scars of that. Absolutely, uh, and their no, families. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. But hot or not with Ty, uh, and I would say watch Arizona, watch Colorado, and uh, hard to watch the Boston Celtics last night. Bucket oh, a not man. hot performance. And Ty, uh, we said Jalen Brown with his eight turnovers and fifteen missed shots last night. He was terrible. The Celtics were cold all night. And the Heat are moving to the NBA Finals. We'll get a full recap of that coming up in our headlines. Uh, but, Ty, you had – this is this is hard to say out loud, and I, I, I hate to do it to you, but you were .3 seconds away from clearing a $2,000 one, one parlay, correct? Yes, it was a little bit less than that, but, yeah. Upwards, like $1,600, $1,700. Okay, well, I was pushing, already up. Pushing so two Gs. I, I would have been up two Gs. And it was a $50 bet. Yeah. But it was five, five – mm-hmm. and a parlay if you don't – you know, gamble. You got to hit all five bets. You know who caused that, don't you? Too. You know, yeah. She put it on you, didn't she? Yeah, she did. Your girlfriend jinxed you. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. I was like, they oh, can well, put she's the like, whammy on Well, you. there's still three seconds left. Boston can still hit a shot here, and I was like, well, this is this is over now. Thank you, thank you, thank for, you for doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was the sec- that was the best comeback I saw over the weekend. I wasn't even upset about it, to be honest. We've been watching. You knew it was coming once she said it anyway. How about us at our house? We've been, <laughs> we've been watching the Junior College World Series in Grand Junction, Colorado. Ooh. Because my daughter's boyfriend plays on a, on a team in Weatherford, Weatherford Junior College, and they're there, and they won their game on Saturday with uh, two home runs in the ninth inning to walk off a team out of California. They won last night, so yeah, Weatherford. Blinn is there too, by the way. Good luck to Blinn. Yeah, uh, you know they'll be in Omaha in a few weeks in the NCAA level, but the JUCO World Series is going on right now. Boy, I'm interested in seeing what Coach Pierce talks to Craig about today. I mean, they have got to get some. They need some mojo right now. 
Well, I mean, they had plenty of mojo with the West Virginia series. Yeah, and but that was find that. That, yeah, but it's it's past that now. I mean, I it, that, thing, that thing just went out the window. Well, but I don't think you panic. I think you played two poor games at uh, Arlington. No, and, you're still playing, and you're still playing. But yeah, it's interesting because I, the biggest issue is not. I mean, yes, we're trying to figure out which Texas team shows up because if it's the West Virginia team, they'll they'll be all right. But they also have injuries now in the bullpen. Yeah, and the Heston Toll David Shaw injuries look to be Dang. season ending, which is not good. Ty, what you have for us uh, on our hot or not topics? Uh, well, with the news of Jimmy Garoppolo possibly not being able to pass the physical, maybe n- not ever playing a snap for the Las Vegas Raiders after signing with them this offseason, offseason, or offshore sportsbooks have Tom Brady as the leading candidate to be the starting quarterback week one for the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, it re- was revealed over the weekend that Jimmy Garoppolo signed a waiver before signing his contract with the Raiders, clearing them of all responsibility if he's unable to play. Like, he, he's he got a foot. Like, when he signed the deal, he knew he had to have surgery on his foot. And he still thinks he can play, but they're not sure. And, yes, Tom Brady's about to buy into that team like he was with the Dolphins last year. He's about year. to start playing. There'd be a lot of hoops he'd have to jump through. Like he had to, all the owners would have to approve it because that's not allowed right now, being a minority owner and playing. But it, I, I still think he'll play another down of football in the NFL. We'll see. Does it help the TV ratings? The owners will vote for it. I would have to imagine. Oh, we'll be sure. back. Benny on the horn.